Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0-Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3-0-Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball, presented by Dugout Mugs. This is episode 121, the Liam Hendricks episode. I'll be your host, Kyle Corn, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. Yo, yo. What an interview we have on deck. Killed it. You guys are really going to love this one. This, this was fun. This was a blast. We were all over the place. I found that those are just the best. when Most, most fun. And not to mention, he was the one taking us down all these rabbit holes. It wasn't even us getting off track. It oh, was yeah. My guy Liam was just throwing ideas throwing thoughts all, was all throwing takes around i loved it talking about maybe implementing fighting in games bro <laughs> trying to give you a little nhl up. mlb crossover how about it <laughs> i mean the dudes from australia those guys are tough that's rugby that's rugby life down there that was awesome and like you and i were just talking about rarely i don't know if we've ever had a situation where it got to the point where it was like this guy could keep talking. Yeah, we had to wrap up the show. He was he was going. His wife in the background was trying <laughs> to watch some Tiger King. Which, she by the way, in with a couple clutch. Yeah, how about though. that, dude? The yeah. uh, it was basically the bonus section of the episode. <laughs> Liam Hendricks and wife. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, the dude was a blast, and just another example, man. That's. These guys are just regular guys. Sometimes they're goofy. Sometimes they're weird. Sometimes they're funny. It's just, it's cool to see this side. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Giving us a tour of the, the downstairs with his cat eating we the leaves <laughs> of the plant. I mean, just, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a blast. There's not much more I can say, say about it. No. Let's Enjoy, just dive, honestly. Let's just dive right into it. Without further ado, the Liam Hendricks episode. All right, so we are here with 2019 All-Star and Oakland A's closer, Liam Hendricks. Liam, appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So let us know, what are you up to with absolutely zero baseball going on and really just nothing else going on? I mean, I am just trying to find ways to stay busy. So my wife and I, we walk the dogs. We got two days with our dogs, walking them around. Um, the rest of it is filling times with like a ride around meals while trying not to snack too much in between the meals. So I've found that I've been going to the pantry a lot more than usual, which is terrible. But other than that, it's like I'm I'm playing myself on the show. I'm playing Call of Duty. I'm playing F1. I'm playing hockey. I'm just trying to stay busy doing that stuff and also with also kind of reading which i'd normally do like i wake up every morning i read a, read some of my book and then move from there but the day is just entirely trying to figure out something to do what is it like playing with yourself on the show i gotta ask yeah, that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> that's such a baller move well i'm really i love the fact that they they got the mannerisms down pretty well this year like so there's like my arm dangled they've got in the game um, the, like everything kind of is, is pretty similar. It's, uh, the only thing that is, is they have me as a curveball where I throw a knuckle curveball. So that's a little thing there, but ah. other than that, and, and then also, I also made my create your own like career mode, uh, road to the show guy. 
and I did a picture and I did them as a closing picture and I kind of did my own mechanics, but they sp- misspelled my name in the, in the mechanics part of it, not on the actual game, but just the mechanics part of it. So, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. What are you going to do? So they don't, did, co- did do they do anything for the show? Like, yeah. I was, was going to ask, did they, did they consult yeah. you at all for that? No. So like, um, I remember my first year that I kind of, started throwing hard which was in 2015 i get traded i come out to spring training arizona they had like an mlb the show like day where you could go in there you could play the game before it was actually released so i went in there and all i did was i wanted to play with myself which sounds terrible but <laughs> i uh, i wanted to play myself and so i'm getting there and i'm I, i'm sitting next to one of the like the uh, developers of the game i'm like oh, okay cool first pitch 91 i'm like well no i'm out this sucks it's <laughs> um, like yeah but he's like what do you mean i'm like well last year i ended the game i ended the year like averaging 96 like i expected something like high like mid 90s at least yeah. he's like oh let me check your stats i'm like okay have a look at my stats but that's not going to tell you my velocity <laughs> but since then it's been okay i mean i haven't i don't play baseball all that much but when there's no baseball on i can you kind of have to i did a pod i did a um a live stream with a with a guy the other day and he absolutely walloped me because i'm not very good at all but it's the experience that counts. You got any teammates that you've been playing against at all? Not really. I'm a big, uh, I'm more of a solo guy because I never have a schedule of like getting on at a certain time or anything. Like, I got a friend who plays a video game. Like every Tuesday night is that's his night that he plays Destiny Two, and he has wow. a group of friends that he does his clans with and stuff like that. I just can't be that committed. Like yeah, that's personal, I don't play. That's... Yeah, I don't play that many video games when I'm with my wife because during the season it's we don't have that much time actually physically together where they were not sleeping or eating yeah. so i don't do it then so i um yeah i've been playing it a little bit now while she's been kind of uh doing her oil paintings and stuff in the background so we've nice. we've each got our little hobbies that we've we've uh kind of partaking in to try and break up the monotony is that and i think you said that includes tiktok now is that uh is that in the works <laughs> so my wife has a tiktok that she absolutely loves She's been going back and forth with her 17-year-old niece about how to figure out the ins and outs of it, which is cracking me up in itself. But uh, we did a cat video that was to the theme song of, I can't remember who the singer's name, but uh, she's sweet, but she's a psycho. So we did that to one of our cats that's got, (laughs) I think, about 45,000 views, which is insane. There you go. But then we've done other ones, which I like more, and they've got like 17 views. So who knows? I I don't understand how this thing works. (laughs) Not at all, but we're going to start doing a little bit of a joint venture with it here in a little bit. So don't expect me to be doing dancing moves or anything, but just things with the kids especially will be fun. We'll be on there for sure. Yes. Well, by kids, I mean by animals. That's got to be a little disappointing. A cat getting more views than an all-star pitcher. I mean, what are, what are we doing here? I mean, it is a really cute cat. That's Her name's Winnie Cooper. She is very vocal. Um, she has made me bleed several times in the past. Yeah, so it's just it, but in the nicest way possible. Like she was clawing up my leg to try and get onto the bed and slice with the back of my car. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, you hear your wife laughing in the background. That's oh, brutal. Yeah, she's, she's cackling in the background. She remembers <laughs> the photos and she calls me a superficial bleeder. Holy cow! Liam, looking back, I know there's no baseball going on, but we got to talk a little baseball. Uh, the last game that you pitched in at this point aside from spring ball and everything, 2019 AL wildcard game. Obviously, you all came up just a tad short, but walk us through that experience and what that was like. Well, I thought when you originally said last game, I was like, okay, last game of the regular season. We clinched a playoff spot 
and I blew the save. So that, I thought they were going that way. I was like, oh, cool. The last pitch I threw in the regular season last year was a walk-off. That's fun. <laughs> no, but the wild-card game, it, it's, it's such a cool experience. I mean, there was 50,000, 55,000 Oakland A's fans at this game, and it was insane. Obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted to. The uh, the Rays kind of did what any road team needs to do and, and uh, pounce early and take the crowd out of it, which they did. Um, I'm just happy my, like, performance personally was a little bit better than the last wildcard game where I gave up a two-run home at a judge that still hasn't landed. So there's, I um, I just have I'm sorry. That was, I can still hear that, uh, that bat, the sound the ball made off the bat still keeps me up at night a little bit. And then, uh, I'm pretty sure the stadium moved that day. So, I mean, it's, was it as the, loud the, as it looks on TV? Oh my God. It was insane. It was so loud. Like it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I was lucky in the fact that I threw the first inning, obviously not giving up a two-run homer, but lucky I pitched in the first inning because our bullpen guys were getting, like, we had guys warming up, having beer thrown on them. It was just a, it's a, it's a different experience when you come to the Bronx in a game like that. Yeah. that I mean, you kind of bring up a cool perspective here because we've, for the fan side, we've always heard, like, ah, I can shut that stuff off or, ah, that doesn't bother me. Not that you hear specifically one fan saying one thing, but when it's 50, 55,000 people, an angry mob type mentality, how does that affect, like, not performance per se, but does it get in your head at all, like, preparation-wise or anything like it, that? It definitely can. It definitely can just to the fact of, like, if you don't know how to kind of use it, it's going to just overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. So, like, last year I felt like I got a lot better at being able to kind of go into – enemy territory per se and kind of use that vibe to get to get me kind of amped up a little bit um yeah that wildcard game i was definitely kind of over my shoes of the first couple batters i didn't like i i think i did i didn't walk a single person up until that game to when i came back up in september and then first guy i faced was i walked the first mccutcheon i walked him and then i'm facing judge and i just kept missing location even the next guy as soon as i got hicks out that's when the location started to come back a little bit, but I still just, that was just, it, that was the game where it was all of a sudden I have no feel for my pitches. I'm kind of burying sliders too far in the dirt. I'm missing arm side with all my fastballs. And the one that, the one that he hit was a up and in fastball at 96. It was meant to be away, but it just ran in and right into the meat of his bat. But that was just one of those days where you, you go out there and you cannot get anything where you want it to. And it's just, those days are, those days are tough sometimes when you're facing, a lineup like that in an AL wildcard game, it can uh, it can definitely take over. Liam, I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit, man. You had an incredible 2019 season. You just been yeah, lagging was, on yourself this whole time. I mean, you were I an all star. When I saw that you were opening, I was nervous. I really was. I feel like self deprecation is a necessary evil for me. I mean, I need to kind of bring myself back down to earth. I need to realize that everyone has their own kind of um, struggles. Everyone has their own things that they're not good at, and like I need to humble myself and luckily I got a wife who's very good at that (laughs) (laughs) she's in the background telling me to say that but yeah she's like it's 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 very easy when you have a year kind of similar to the year I had last year to get a big ego to be above everybody else in this and I mean it's very it's it's good no it's not always great in the time when you get told you not you like you're not very good at anything but in time, you kind of learn that that was that was what I need to hear sometimes to kind of get me off that high horse, to get me back down to reality and get me back to just going out there and, and realizing that 
yesterday doesn't matter about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I mean, it's just, it's a day by day thing. And who knows if I'm ever going to be able to repeat that. And I need to make sure that I work hard enough to, to be able to repeat that. Yeah. I mean, you went out there and you obviously know this, but for those who don't set the record for most strikeouts by a reliever in Oakland A's history, which Nate, just, I'm going to run these names by Some Raleigh fingers, names. Dennis Eckersley. I mean, I would say that's, I'd say it's a pretty good year. I think we can pass on the self-deprecation at least for that. Yeah, I think aspect. it was. There's uh, there's been nine Oakland A's relievers that have struck out over a hundred or a hundred plus, um, and we had two in back-to-back years with Blake Trinan doing it in 2018. That list was almost all of Raleigh Fingers though as well. Like that was there was a ton of Fingers. There was a ton of Eckersley. There was uh, one Blake, and then I cannot remember the last guy's name. It was similar to like. I mean, unless I come back and do it again next year, similar to the year I had where it just came out of nowhere and who knows where it went again. But, yeah, the, not only did I set that, I also set the uh, the most strikeouts in a single season by an Australian-born player, not even a reliever, just player awesome. in general. So that, is awesome. that was that was a really cool to have because I think, um, I think the Oakland one was when I struck out Alex Gordon with the Royals, who's a former teammate of mine. So that was, yep. that was kind of cool too. Uh, and then before that, like obviously there's different things that you – don't really expect like I never expected like my wife and I had conversations about like attempting to strike out over 100 and I was just like it's not realistic it's just it's like she goes no with that attitude it's not but you like you can do it no matter what and then all of a sudden I'm going out there and running through the season as the season goes I'm like oh I'm close like I can actually do this and then I kept going 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 and was able to get over it and ended up with uh, 124 but only 122 count as a reliever because I had two as the opener because I had two opens last year as well now, were you were you kind of keeping? You can be honest. Were you kind of keeping an eye on that as the season progressed, especially later down the stretch, or were you trying to just block that out? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a stat guy, so I mean, I look at my numbers and I know what I need to be. Like I can, like I look at the certain things where I know, like I gave up five homers last year, one to a righty, and the four others were lefties. And I can, like, the first one was the uh, the only righty that got me was Alex Bregman, but it happened to be a grand slam, and it was the only hit I gave up on a curveball last year. And then there was um, Brett Phillips, Eric Thames, and then the the two that kind of hurt me were um, back to back ones in a walk off in New York were uh, uh, Brett Gardner and um, uh, who was the first baseman, the uh, younger guy, lefty swinger. Uh, no, I can't remember his name. Yes, they're Mike Ford. So those are the guys who had homers off me last year, and they're all pretty much off the same pitch, all off fastballs up and. That was what I got a lot of strikeouts on last year. So it's just like it, it's one of those ones where a lot of you tip your hat to it. And but those are the guys where next year I'm going to make sure that they're they're on my list that I want to have. They're on my they're on my little checklist of strikeouts that I want to try and get at at sometime next year. I've already told Phillips I'm going to throw him like nine straight fastballs again, and then I'm going to maybe mix in a curveball every now and then just to keep them honest. But it's <laughs> <laughs> the friendly rivalries of trying to get guys out. So tell us a little bit about. Um, what it's like being a member of the Oakland A's. There's a certain, I think, traditional character that comes with the A's. Culture. I think, yeah, there's there's that culture that's been around. It's a traditional team. They've been around for a long time, and I think the fan base is is super loyal. Um, tell us what it's like playing for the Oakland A's. Like, well, how does that feel? I mean, I think where um, there's a sign that's always in the outfield when you come to an Oakland A's game that's called Melvin's Misfits. And I think that kind of just fits the personality perfectly. We're a bunch of kind of displaced toys. 
kind of like Toy Story, what, three is it? When they all get thrown into the little, uh, the children's care. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just like, there's, there's guys who are from all, a bunch of different organizations and then they will go through the stages where they have this homegrown talent. And right now you're seeing such an influx of this homegrown guys with Chabin, Olsen, Pinder. Um, I mean, Simeon's not homegrown, but he's from Oakland. Can't count that in there. And you got all these guys coming up with Puck, as well, and um, and Sean Murphy, these guys that are going to be doing a lot of special things over the next few years. But the clubhouse mentality is just it, it's there's nothing serious about it. There's no kind of there's no rules. There's no nothing like that. It's just kind of players govern their own. And a lot of the guys coming up now don't have to worry about being governed anymore, which is great because they've kind of a couple guys early have learned that don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and they'll, they'll pick it up from there. But I mean, out, the leader on the team is probably Chapman. I mean, he's um, he's the guy who has that kind of personality that can pick somebody up if they need to. They can bring somebody down if they need to. He's in charge of the music, which is usually a huge thing in the clubhouse. So we've kind of um, he's kind of that guy that kind of unites everybody. But the good thing is, it's just a group. It's a bunch of guys in that clubhouse that all they want to do is win, and they don't care how they do it, which is what you need. You can't have those egos, guys, where. Like you all of a sudden you win by 15 runs and there's that guy in the sulking in the corner because he went over five. Like it's just you can't have those personalities in the in the clubhouse. We don't have any of those, we, which is great. We've got to go a bunch of guys who all they care about is winning. So I got to ask, have you? Um, I want to assume that you have, but I also don't want to assume. Have you seen Moneyball? I've seen Moneyball. As soon as I got traded over, my wife and I watched Moneyball and. Like, okay, hopefully I don't have to pay for soda anymore, which I don't, <laughs> you don't have to worry about doing that anymore. They, they've got that, which is good. The Clubhouse is actually pretty much the same as that movie. Okay, because I was going to ask. I didn't know, changed. like, how much, like, how realistic of a job they did at kind of portraying that culture that we were talking about. Not necessarily the, the dugout and stuff, per se, but in terms of the, the approach to the game. Kind of like you were saying, the Misfit Toys, that kind of it takes a village type deal where everybody is just going at it with the same goal despite anything that's going on in the clubhouse or despite how nice the clubhouse is. I don't know how, how good of a job they did at making that comparison. Yeah. I mean, it's talking to some guys and the guys that like, I've been there for five years now, so I've kind of been ingrained into it a little bit, but you see, you see some of the guys who this is their first year or second year over here. And all of a sudden they're like, everything isn't great. Like the, the clubhouse stuff isn't ideal. The facilities like there aren't, they aren't anywhere close to the top in the league. But they have the guys there that care. They have the guys there that want to do it. But the, the big difference for everybody is the fact that the guys in the clubhouse are awesome. Like, you don't have the egos. You don't have anybody who, like, Chapman's an all-star. He's going to be multi-time, like, a, an all-star seven times over. But you don't see kind of him with that ego streak. Or you don't see Simeon with that ego streak who came, like, third in the runner and runner-up in the MVP. You don't see those guys that have that ego that makes sure that alienate everybody else around them. So everybody's kind of ingrained and ingratiated and loved into this community. And it's just, it's a, it's a tight knit family for sure. Especially guys like in the bullpen where we are, I mean, we've all got, I mean, we're all getting cl uh, close to getting scoliosis from having a hunch over in that, in that bullpen out there. But it's a, it's a good group of guys. Like our bullpen catch is fantastic. We've got a good group out there, like the security guards, like uh, if, when Tegan's out there, Tegan's the man. He's our he's our favorite security guard. So we need him there as many as much as we can. But you get those group of people that just it's a very loyal group, and we're just happy to be a part of it. And the playing surface is one of the best in the league, by the way. The playing surface is fantastic. The mound is phenomenal. I mean, that's that's really what you're looking for for an on-field stuff. So we're talking about these studs that are behind you when you're on the bump. 
when it comes to nowadays pitching, you said you're kind of into stats. I'm assuming you're probably pretty into analytics as well. When it comes to knowing that you have a gold glover at third, a gold glover at first, an MVP candidate at short, how much of that goes into combining your analytics and your style of what you want to do as a pitcher, knowing that you have these studs behind you? It's very nice knowing that you don't have to worry about any of that. So like Chapman has, um, he is, he has the the baseball sense that is off the charts. Like there's been certain times where I've been on the mound. Actually, it's even a better example when I'm in the bullpen that he is all of a sudden he'll, there'll be a guy that'll foul the ball off and he all of a sudden moves over two steps, like two steps to the left. Everyone's like looking at it, but I've just, because of our angle, we're looking at it. You can just see him move over a little bit. All of a sudden he has a ball two steps to his left again that he wouldn't have got to if he hadn't moved over. That was just the stuff he did on almost every single play. Like he reads the, the game better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Just seeing that stuff is, it takes everything out of your hands. Like I don't have to worry about it. Like if I'm going to, all of a sudden, if Olsen's playing in the hole, I don't have no problem throwing a slider down into a lefty. Or if Chapman's kind of playing back. Like, I, I have never have to worry about anybody trying to lay a bunt down. And if they do, Chapman's got it. Like, I don't, I never have to worry about any of that. It's fantastic. It's great because those speedy guys are pain in the ass when they're on base. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about, like, a guy lowing, dropping a bunt down. I actually had one in spring training where Chapman actually came up and apologized to me about letting him on. But, it, I mean, it was just one of those things. But having those guys, you never have to worry about anything. You don't, you don't worry about anything at all. You just go out there and pitch your game. If you think a fastball in is going to get this guy, you throw a fastball in. You know, you, you, if he pulls it, you got an Olsen there. You're fine. So, Liam, you're talking about these guys that are behind you, and we've talked about the, the culture of the Oakland A's, and we kind of touched on it briefly earlier about uh, just coming up a little short in the wild card games. But if you had to put into maybe a reason or two as to why you think – this team that you've got now would be different either in 2020, if we had, if we even have baseball or 2021, what do you think is different about this particular team that would give you guys a better chance to, to take it deeper into October? I mean, you look at our starting rotation. I mean, um, the starting guys we got this year with adding a full season of Manaya back after his shoulder stuff last year, you got fires at the front. You've got Frankie Montas, who's going to have a full season as well. And then you've got the two young bucks in Puck and Lozado coming through. I mean, this is, this is a special group, of, especially of left-handers. I mean, you that, that goes up against almost every left-handing group starting pitches-wise in the league. So you've got those guys. We're hopefully getting full seasons out of those guys. Um, but just watching that and then going over to the bullpen as well, like you've got, you've got a bunch of guys out there. We went out and got TJ McFarlane. We got Deakman back. We've got uh, Petit and Sorry coming back as well, like – We've got a full season of uh, Wendelkin, who's out of options, coming into the coming into the team, and Trevino is hoping for that bounce back season. We've got a bunch of guys out there that can go out and kind of put the and do what they need to do on there. But then if you look at the, the defense wise, you've got a platinum gold glover at the, or platinum a two time platinum winner at, uh, at third base. You get a guy who's in the um, gold glove section at shortstop. You got a gold glove winner at first base. You got a left like our bench guy was almost like, was in the uh, finalist for the gold glove in, in Robbie Grossman. You've got Piscotti, Canna, Laureano, however they figure out into the outfield. So you've got you've got a bunch of guys who all of a sudden are starting to get on people's radars where we already had them on our radars. No one respected them enough. So they're, they're kind of getting it on everyone else's radars now. And I mean, we won 97 games with kind of having a mismatch and leading the league and blown saves. Like it's, uh, 
if we can kind of put everything, it doesn't even have to be all the way together. If we can just put everything halfway together, I mean, you're looking at a 100-win team quite easily if it's a 462-game season. Now, obviously, a lot of these guys are still under contract. I mean, Simeon is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, I'm a free agent at the end of the year. Um, Petit, sorry, a free agent at the end of the year. So we, we'll, at the end of this year, we'll lose some guys, but who knows what's going to happen and who knows what they're going to put across the table with some of those guys. And, and we'll see what goes from there. But the core that's come up with the Oakland A's is going to be something special for at least six years. So how does it feel having the Coliseum only to the A's now? Don't have to worry about the Raiders anymore. It's only you guys. It's your show, your house. How's that feel? I'm excited because, I mean, hopefully that we're able to um, take the Raiders clubhouse. Their clubhouse is way nicer than ours. It's a lot bigger. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot more guys that have to be in it, but it's, it's a lot nicer. They've got their facilities are a little better. Like the A's, you couldn't really, you couldn't put a kitchen where we were because you couldn't get the steam out. You couldn't get a filtration system that would get like that would help clean the kitchen. So it would just be a smoke battle thing, room the entire time. So having a place to be able to put a kitchen where we can have a chef come in and kind of do that way rather than having to get guys to bring it in or ordering out or anything like that, that, that that'll be a huge plus. The um, kind of having a bit bigger of a locker and kind of not being on everybody all the time will be nice, but. You may also lose that camaraderie a little bit, but it all depends. Like they've got such a good space up there that there's so many ways you can do it. You can add a batting cage that's halfway up the clubhouse now instead of all the way up in the the Raiders media room is where our batting cage is. So you've got a, pl- a bunch of places where you can do things that you kind of add things in just to make life a little bit easier. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited if they can get that done where we can get into that. Um, Hopefully that they can take down what uh, the Raiders did and take down Mount Davis because that thing would, uh, looking at the photos from before that, it was gorgeous. Like you can see the port in the background. It was just a cool view. So yeah. obviously they're not going to do that because we're, they're in the talks of building a new stadium. So, I mean, it's, they're not going to put too much into it just because of the fact that the new stadium could very well be closer around the corner. And I mean, that corner is still at least five years away, but who knows? I just hope I'm still playing by the time we get to playing at one time. So to summarize your thoughts on the Coliseum, like it, dislike it, indifferent, you kind of, is it kind of endearing to um, you? I love the playing field. Clay does a fantastic job with all the stuff on the field. Like the grass is some of the best grass. I mean, he, he, he makes a playable surface while having a football stadium on there as well. Like it's just, that's incredible. Like the playing surface is fantastic. The fans are the, some of the best fans in baseball. It's just a loyal group. They may not be the best group in the world, but they're the most loyal by a long way that I've ever played for. It's just fantastic. And then obviously just the, the clubhouse mentality. Like it's uh that's great. I mean, the, the tight quarters almost breed that kind of need to be, to get along with everybody. So that, they're the things that once I move out of the Coliseum, there'll be, there'll be a lot of things I miss, but the, the long fences as a pitcher, the high amount as a pincher. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's my go-to things, but hopefully we can get, some bullpens that aren't on the field, so we don't have to get a worry worry about a guy protecting the pitches while they're warming up, which would be nice. <laughs> Speaking of foul territory, how does that feel as a pitcher having so much space that those corner guys can go help you out and catch a couple typically ten row deep foul balls for you for some extra outs? Yeah, the foul ground's nice, especially when you have two supreme athletes on the corners like it, it really doesn't matter if you got two guys that don't have that much range there but having two guys like chapman and olsen over there that can take a ball that can run run anything down and then are willing to dive while running full out it's uh yeah that thing's that, that's a lot that's really nice to have i mean it's um also 
Could you imagine the Oakland A's dugouts with no fence in front being closer? That would be terrifying. <laughs> that would be absolutely unnerving. Like I, yeah. we, were, we were somewhere last year where I'm just – I think it was Minnesota actually. Where I'm, I got done. Uh, I think I came in the eighth inning, went into the club, went into the dugout and was standing on the top rail. And I'm just like, what? How are we this close? Like this is <laughs> this is terrifying. Like there's guys in the on deck circle, like bet not back, and I'm freaking out in the dugout behind a screen. So I mean, it's just <laughs> that'll be a different feeling every time we do that. That's the good thing about being a relief. But you're usually in the usually in the middle of nowhere, and like Detroit, you have a 415 foot run into the mound. <laughs> so that that'll be the one thing I'm the main thing I miss from Oakland is that run in is like 65 feet, and so I still have two minutes to not lose my breath and kind of warm up. <laughs> <laughs> so Liam, who's the toughest guy you've had to face in your career thus far? No, I mean, there's been a couple guys that I can rattle off. I mean, I always have really good at bats with like Jose Martinez, the guy with uh, who got traded from the Cardinals to the Rays, just an annoying at bat. Like he's just a big guy, but fouls everything off, just does a good job of battling. Um, I ended up, I think I struck him out once last year, but I was like, it was just a grind of an at-bat. Ozuna's now, I think, three for four with three doubles off me. And then Adam Eaton is four for four with two doubles, a triple, and a single. So they're the guys that I – I mean, I haven't faced Adam Eaton since 2013. So it's been a while, but – That recall that, is incredible. Still remember. Yeah, for well, Holy <laughs> cow. When I haven't got a guy out, I can't remember him. I mean, you can you can throw the guys out there that I usually struggle out against with Salvador Perez, Butler. I struggled against him amazingly so when when he played for the Royals. Um, but there's there's certain guys you just know that you that you do well against, and there's certain guys you know that you don't do well against. And Adam Eaton's four for four, and Marcel Azuna's three for four, and they're two of the guys that I can really rattle off that I can't get out. So if you could, if you could steal one pitch from any pitcher in history to add to your arsenal, what pitch would that be and from what pitcher? Oh, geez. I mean, it's... I like my fastball, so I'm not taking anybody else's fastball. I like um, it. Respect. Yeah. I mean, you get uh, you have these conversations with the bullpen. Would you prefer perfect control or would you prefer to add 10 miles? I always choose add 10 miles because now I've actually <laughs> done that and it's way cooler. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, uh, probably Roger Clemens split finger. Oh, I like okay. that answer. Like I said, I need some, like, cause I, I like my fastball. I like my slider. I like my curveball. There's obviously way, there's obviously guys out there with way better pitches than those, but like, I like where those are at. So I need something, especially the lefties. So like, it's either, it's either Eric Gagne's changeup or, Ooh. um, or like uh, Roger Clemens split finger or. I mean, you could even say like Tanaka split finger or any, like anyone who's got has a good split finger that something like that. I mean, I actually did a um, a segment with Trevor Bauer on his Bauer with Eric Gagne. I mean, that guy, like that guy is extremely intelligent. Like you just it, it's it caught you off guard a little bit. Same with Trevor, actually. They just it's not that they seem they come across like dumb by any means, but their intelligence is off the charts, especially for athletes. You just don't expect some of the words that they're saying to come out of their mouths. But hearing the way he threw his change up and stuff like that was really, really cool. So, I mean, I guess I got to go with, like, the personal connection of Eric Gagne. I have to change it to Eric Gagne's change up rather than the split finger. But, he like, I love the fact that he goes, yeah, I just threw – I got the grip and I threw it as hard as I could because that's my biggest thing. Fastball, slider, curveball, they're all, like, grip it and rip it pitches to me where a change up more of a field pitch. 
I have no finesse in me at all. So like, I just can't <laughs> figure that out. Like I used to have a good changeup. I got bone chips removed from my elbow that took out my changeup. I, I just don't know where it went. So that's my biggest thing is just, uh, yeah, just something, having something, especially off speeds, a little slower that I can use to lefties is something that I need. And I've been working on it as well in spring training, but nothing, nothing up to those standards. So for an Australian-born baseball player, it sounds like you've got a pretty good, like, understanding and knowledge of the game's history. Is that something that you've developed over time, or is that something that more recently during your career that you've really invested into? Uh, it's definitely more during my career. Like, during, when I came over, I would there'd be people that like, oh, what about this guy? I'm like, I have no idea who that guy is. Like you are saying, and then they're like, they're in the Hall of Fame. Like, how would I know? <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. I can, so it's just, yeah, I've definitely learned it. I'm someone who now with, the, especially the day and age of the internet and being able to kind of do something like this or go online and be like, okay, I've never heard that guy's name. Let me read about him and kind of go from there. But that's uh, yeah, a lot of us have been either sitting on buses and just bored. So you just got to start Googling things or if it's, you hear a name on TV. So you kind of look at it and I love to know everything. Like I got that from my dad for sure. But like, we just, always need to like if you say something that i don't quite understand i'm going to research the the crap out of it and kind of move from there and that's just what i do like i like to know all the things which my wife's the same way so we get into some avid arguments about just random stuff that doesn't need to be argued about but that's just that's just how we are i mean we both like to know things we both like to be right she's quite often right which in <laughs> smart <laughs> so um, Kyle and I, I think we mentioned it too earlier. Kyle and I talked to Delano DeShields Jr. last week. Um, and, you know, I think what's cool about this opportunity, especially during these uncertain times, is that we get to talk to guys like you that are open about, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Um, Delano had some kind of really cool and unique ideas as to things that the MLB could do a little differently to help shed some light on players and kind of show the brand behind players. So what are some things you feel like our game could do differently to help kind of advance our fan base and, uh, and kind of catch up to the rest of the other leagues? Uh, I mean, add fighting. <laughs> I don't want to see a good fight. I mean, everyone looks at hockey fights and said, like, just have a guy. Like, if I, if I drill a guy... He drops his like he just waves his hands. I do the same thing. It's on. Third man in gets a fifteen game suspension. You guys get ejected that. from that game, and you and you're good to go the next day. In baseball, especially, like you've got so many games that it's so hard to kind of kind of like do the day to day things. Like we're not going to go out on a Wednesday night and kind of post on our social media that we're going at this or doing that or doing this event. It's really hard to kind of get that going. Like especially in some of the other sports where you've got nights off in between where you can do charity events you can do this you can do that uh and especially like there's a lot of movement in in baseball so like guys are moving teams moving clubs moving cities and stuff so it's really hard to kind of get that going i feel like it's um my wife and i have tried to do some stuff with some cyberbullying stuff where it's we've done a lot of work with the boys and girls club of oakland especially so having that you can kind of if I go to another team next year we can go from that team and pick it up in the with the boys and girls club whatever team we go to and just you're able to kind of do that and kind of make a difference all throughout the all throughout the country rather than just in a certain area. Um, social media was I am not very good at it at all. I mean, I only got social media for the first time last year, and the only reason I really got it was to 
do some stuff with that charitable and philanthropic efforts off the field. Um, I like it because it's a chance for me to kind of talk to fans, get lined up with stuff like this. And then it's just, um, it's a way for me to kind of show the personal side of my life. Cause I, I'm odd. I'm weird. I get it. Like it's just, but it's a, it's a way for me to show that off with that kind of being constantly on everybody's TV. And like, cause I did a lot of interviews last year where it's just like, it's, it could be a little much at times. So like being able to do this where it's like there's little personal touches, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, it starts from the top down. I mean, you need the best players in the league to have that kind of enigmatic personalities where they bring people in that all of a sudden they go to like, oh, who's he play with? And then strength, it stems from there. So you've got guys like, I mean, you look at Cam Newton for the NFL. Um, the way he goes about his social media stuff is it's very in your face. It's very a lot. It's very different sense of fashion, different sense of things. And he's able to bring in a bunch of followers. And I guarantee you follow like guys on his team have seen his, uh, his follow their following spike up because of just having him on his team. So that's where it all starts with having that. And then um, it's always tough to be in Oakland. We always kind of get, we don't, we don't, we get the dregs of everything because we play when all the East coast is asleep. And so it's just, it's, it's tough to get a following that way. But, yeah, I mean, we've. Uh, I think just the top down, the trickle effect will be it. Would 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 do a lot. Kind of in that same vein, in terms of uh, shedding light on on guys and, and kind of opening up just a different perspective on things. A question I like to ask guys uh, when when we get them on here is, in terms of the guys that you've played with or played against, is there a guy that you would say uh, has maybe gotten a bad rap that? whether it's through baseball media or, or fans have kind of created this stigma stigma. Yeah. I guess would be the best way to put it. Is there a guy that you would say that, like I said, you've either played with or against that you're like, no, this guy off the off camera, like in the clubhouse or on the field is much better than perceived and um, to the public eye. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one guy came to mind straight away with those trip about, I mean, obviously he's, um, He's a, a he has his own media company called Momentum. Uh, Watch Momentum, and so he does all this stuff where he uh, he has a lot that he does. That like, but you see some of the stuff he said in the media, and you see some of this, and if it's taken out of context, you're like, this guy is an absolute ass. But then when you actually meet him, it's like he does a lot of things for a purpose. Like he did a um, a month of giving where he gave away a certain certain number, like a certain amount of dollars to each charity. Um, and like, so it was like, I think it ended up with $69,420 and 69 cents that he donated away in that, in the last check. And so obviously you're bringing in two numbers that I have very interesting connotations, but it also is the two numbers where if you're ever going to think of what are the two kind of most talked about numbers in the, like you, you're going to bring up those two. And so when you see that all of a sudden it kind of engages you, it's almost like, but for his purpose that he does off the field. So he does a lot of things with a purpose. Sometimes that purpose isn't clear for a little bit, and once it is, it all makes sense. Where he's actually coming from a place of a place with a good heart. He's trying to make a difference in the world, and he's trying to get everybody's story out there. I've done some things with him where it's along the same lines of just trying to get my kind of not brand across. I shouldn't say, but like get my story across, get my side of everything, get my personality over things because. Uh, a lot of times, especially with media and baseball, like baseballs give the one-word answers, the ge the generic answers, and they don't elaborate too much because it's just it's the everyday thing where you don't want to elaborate, you don't want to piss anybody else off, and all of a sudden that comes back to bite you in, like, in the ass later. So 
He's he's one of the guys that I think he has a little bit of a negative connotation because of some of the things he's done. But he's an extremely intelligent guy that all he's trying to do is kind of raise awareness for the things that he's passionate about and doing a lot of stuff off the field, which is which is a really cool thing. I'm going to get away from baseball for, for a second. Um, obviously, media kind of likes to hop on public events or global events that are going on. Right now, we're all about the corona stuff and staying at home and everything. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people have forgotten about or haven't brought up in a while is how is Australia right now? How is back home for you? Is Are things gotten you know better since the fires? Have they you know, started to recover a little bit. How's that going? Yeah, it's just one thing after another. Pretty much as the downturn of the fires was coming across, like I think they eliminated most, most if not all of the fires by about the time that the fires kind of – so as of, so as of um, late January, there's still 50 fires burning, and then they were uncontained. And so then I think the, – but then since then, the weather's cooled down a little bit. The rain's come a little bit more. The wind's died down. So everything's kind of died down on that front. But then, obviously, as soon as places, especially our economics and stuff like that, are starting to recover, this comes across and kind of dashes everything again. So it's just, it was just those back-to-back things where it's like it's they were just they were just finally getting over the the wave that pummeled them, and then all of a sudden they get pummeled by another wave, and that's just unfortunately the the way it's going right now. It's um they've shut down the borders of my dad's uh, uh, my home state of Western Australia. My dad was. Uh, He's a principal in agricultural boarding school where he had to uh, go in there and like had to make some tough decisions on, on payroll and stuff like this. And then um, he has to go through a checkpoint just to get to work now, just because it's they're trying to sec- like so- shut down certain sections of the uh, of the state as well, just to make sure that it's not traveling through certain sections. Um, yeah, the same thing over here. Grocery stores are barren. Uh, restaurants are starting to take out stuff. I mean, it's just you can see it. It's the same kind of progression over here, but I think. Um, People are kind of taking it a little bit seriously, which is which is what is necessary. I mean, one of my good friends, he's been working from home for the last couple of weeks now because he's just like people around aren't taking it seriously enough. I have a young child at home. I'm just going to work from home. He's an accountant, so he's able to do that, which is good. Uh, his wife's a speech pathologist at the school, so she's doing the same thing where it's just doing a lot of internet stuff. And But that's, that's the thing that a lot of people preemptively saw how, how it was going across the rest of the world. And so they took it into their own initiative. It hasn't been anything kind of government audit or like ordinances or anything like, but a lot of people over there are taking it pretty, pretty chill over there, which is hopefully will kind of clear them out sooner rather than later. So you kind of touched on the the fires in Australia and something I wanted to ask you about along that same note uh, is a lot of the work that you do outside of baseball. Um, You've been uh, a nominee for the Roberto Clemente award twice now. So obviously the things you're doing off the field are incredible. Uh, just a couple, as we mentioned, the fires back in Australia helping those uh, victims, as well as um, I saw that you've done a lot of work trying to, uh, or with the the poverty efforts in the DR, uh, which is awesome. Uh, could you just expand a little bit more on that and 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 essentially uh, just talk about where your where your passion for that comes from? Yeah, so uh, like uh, we, our main kind of drive is what we've done a lot of. My wife and I in the past has been um, like animal rescue, and so we've done a lot with animal rescues all throughout the country, with um, the the place for pits out of Chicago, which we've done a lot. We've been on the board for that for the last few years. We do a lot with them. They actually named a pit bull after me last year. That uh, that was that is. I'm not sure if it's been adopted yet or not. He has been adopted out, which is good. 
named him Hendricks, which is he was about a 95 pound pit bull. So that was <laughs> that was cool. I, I got to meet him as well, which is really cool. He, and he was huge and looked very aggressive, but had the sweetest soul. Like I laid down on the ground. All he wanted to do was just sit on me and lick my face. And so that was really, really cool. Um, we deal with uh, Tony LaRusso's Animal Rescue Foundation or ARF in, uh, in the Bay Area. We've done some stuff in our local stuff with trying to uh, get a uh, humane society in, in uh, Cape Coral, which is uh, was the biggest city in uh, biggest county in America without a humane society. Uh, but we've got a lot of stuff like that. We did a um, we did the strikeout poverty thing in the DR in 2017. We raised close to seventy five thousand dollars for that, um, which is just a buy like buy strikeouts, buy walks, by kind of just doing a pledge campaign where people would pay per strikeout and then I'd pay double for every walk that I did. And I think I set a career high in walks that year. So that was uh, good <laughs> but go. bad, but silver linings. Uh, and then last year we did a uh, strikeout bullying campaign. So we worked with Stand for the Silent, which is a great organization out of Missouri that we... Oklahoma. Hmm? Oklahoma. That's out of Oklahoma. So <laughs> let me do that again. So... What the hell? Why is your music playing right now? <laughs> my wife's got Justin Bieber playing in my head now. That's awesome. Oh, uh, no, it's on this. It's because you, you must have been playing it up here last time. <laughs> yeah, I pressed a button on my headphones and Bieber comes out. Don't play it off. That wasn't your wife's. That was, that was your oh, I mean, songs going I could on. show you the, the, pink, I, the pink MacBook I'm on right now. So <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, no, so like we, um, yeah, the, we worked with strikeout bullying. We did a strikeout bullying campaign this year, which worked with Stanford Silent, which is uh, a organization out of Oklahoma. Which, um, yeah, they uh, we kind of get into schools and we raise the awareness of how how kind of terrible and how effective affected you can be by cyberbullying. And we dealt with it last year, especially with myself. We had some guys chat and give us some death threats, especially my wife and I both. And then. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's kind of raising awareness for the fact that kids in school especially aren't alone, that athletes, that celebrities, that kind of anybody that you see on TV is dealing with cyberbullying at some point or in or currently in their lives. Um, that's something that my wife and I are really passionate about because we were both not only bullied in high school, bullied in school. I was okay, we had the cyberbullying thing. Like I was just ahead of the peak of that, but I got a little bit of it on the back end and. It's just something that kind of uh, it's, it's important to us because we know how serious it can get and we know how you can feel like there's no way out. Luckily for me, like I was bullied in, in high school and I went away and in Australia you have club sports. So I would on the weekends I'd go play football, Australian rules football with a different group of friends. So it's like all of a sudden I was able to leave that and be kind of accepted into the group. Whereas in high school, I didn't really have a, a friend group or anything like that, but I was lucky in the fact that I had a way out of that. And it's just letting kids know that they're not alone, that there is a way out, that a lot of those things that people find weird and they don't like about you right now are gonna is gonna what is gonna get you a good group of friends that you can trust so you can be around later on in life. And it's just like fitting into those social norms of you're always in high school, especially acting the way everyone wants you to be rather than the way you actually are, and that can get you get physically draining and mentally draining. So it's just kind of telling people out there just be who you are if they if you're not accepted now trust me it gets better you will be later we got deep for a second i'm gonna try to yeah. try to try to bring it back down a little bit that, that might be um, my favorite part of the interview right there that, that was awesome that was great yeah, we um 
whatever we start working with, we have to have a passion for. And this is something that we both are extremely passionate about. And we're doing the same. Like last year, we did a T-shirt sale with a strikeout bullying with my silhouette in the background. And then this year, we're going to do a, another pleasure drive. So it's just going to be something along those lines where it's per strikeout or per walk or per save or anything along those lines that we will donate personally. And then hopefully people can kind of donate towards it. Be like, okay, I'm going to give you 10 cents per strikeout. And all of a sudden, hopefully it's a like, I hope it's a little like a 10 bucks at the end of the year that they are donating towards this cause. And we can kind of raise as much money as we can. You guys are doing great work. That sounds, I mean, you got a lot of different avenues that you're hitting and that's, yeah, plus we, it, those things are always good because we reach out to all the people that we know that we know how much they're making, so they have to give us some money. <laughs> there you go. go. All right, so you mentioned you're weird. Yeah. We're weird. We're baseball players. It's kind of just the way we are. Do you have any strange things that you have to do before a game, any type of routine that you have to do uh, each day? I mean, yes and yes. Well, just let's just say yes. Uh, I have to put my right sock on first. I'm the same way. That's cool. But it's not that I have to like take them off if I don't. It's just it feels weird if I do it the other way. So like I, I can if I put on my left one on first, then my right one, I can still go about doing my life and I'm fine. I don't have to like <laughs> flick the lights which on 15 times. But it's just a, a I just prefer to have that right one on first. And then during the season, I will wake up and I will make a coffee and I'll read my book. As soon as I wake up, every almost every morning, day games is a little different. And then when I'm at the field, I have the same, I do the same thing. Like I do the same throwing program every single day. Like I'll throw and I'll go from the left or whatever line we're on to center field. And then I'll get him back and then I'll throw two of each pitch to my catch partner. And then I'll get a catcher and I'll throw two of each pitch to him on a flat ground. So just on the grass towards him. And then when we get back inside, I will either read my book and listen to, so I, to, I've, a lot of people find this weird, but I read a book while listening to heavy metal music. So I don't know if that's wow. weird or if that's just, like oh, I that's always weird, like this for sure. That's <laughs> a, that's impressive. That's that what that is. I I'm I realize that I'm very easily distracted, and so if I have headphones on and music blaring, I don't see what's happening around. I don't kind of get ingrained in what's happening around me. So I put my headphones on. I listen to music, which tends to be heavy metal, and then read my book, which is usually about fairies and wizards and like <laughs> just fantasy stuff. So that's uh. Right now, I'm reading a book that was co-written by Stan Lee, which is about a, a cyber, cybernetic, not cybernetic, um, cyberkinesis. So it's like he can talk with computers and coding and stuff like that. So he can kind of make anything do what he wants it to, which is fascinating to me because I love that. Like that's I used I studied coding for a little bit when I was in high school, so I love that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, there's that, and then it's either reading a book or I make these little figurines. So my figurines are these little, they're called nano blocks. And it started off with these, they're about, yeah, about like an inch, inch and a half, two inches tall. And then it started off with Pokemon and then moved to just animals and then went to Dragon Ball Z and then it went all this way. Like I love my anime and cartoons and stuff like that. So that throws, that gets thrown in there as well. And yeah, I've got, I actually bought enough for every home game to do one this year and that's going to be interesting to see how that goes so i think i've got like 80 <laughs> of these little these little characters to build um but yeah it's just it like i like i have those things that give me an escape from the day-to-day -day life of just yeah. everything there right so it gives me that little bit of an escape where i'm still listening to my music i'm just doing these figurines and then i put them on my locker i had a little shelf full of them last year 
that was just what I did to kind of escape the day and escape the game and kind of have find my little like own little fantasy world where I can just be alone and kind of do that, which is which is sometimes necessary just to get away from the day to day grind of baseball, which you've got 162 games in 181 days. So. I, yeah, I like it. I mean, it, you definitely solidify that pitchers are weird. I, I like it. It's cool. Yeah, I do. I, and then on the mound, I do the same thing every time as well. Like, warm-up pitches, exactly the same every time, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter anything. Like, as soon as I get onto the game mound, it's two forcing fastballs, change-up split finger, whichever I'm throwing at that point, curveball slider, two-seam fastball, which I don't throw anymore, and then finish it off with a slide set four-seam. And that's my go-to every single time. Doesn't matter how I'm feeling. Doesn't matter if I'm just – that's what I have to do. So you but, still do the two seams even though you don't pitch with them anymore? Yeah, you never know. I just like doing it just in case the hitter <laughs> sees it. He's like, oh, I wonder if he's throwing that again. You never know. Whenever we get Oakland A's baseball back, I'm going to be in, – and we're in between oh. Indians watching you warm up. Yeah. I'm going to be looking for that. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, – That's uh, awesome. I do the same thing. I'm not worried about anybody calling me out because it, it's just what I do. I mean I'm, <laughs> no, I – No, not that – no, I wasn't looking to call yet. I'm I'm more so just fascinated <laughs> yeah. that that's like a in every – because I – like you hear guys talk about how if they're in the pen, they're having an off day and they, they maybe have to make an adjustment here or there. But it sounds like you, based on what you're saying, reg- like you said, regardless how you're feeling, that's exactly what you're going to do. Like I sit there and I, like I'll get out there. So last year, because I was throwing in the ninth inning, I stopped. I didn't have to be out there in the first inning. So I would go out there in the, the third or the fourth with uh, Yusmer Petit, Jake Diekman at the second half of the year, and um, Joaquin Saria. So we all go out and then I wouldn't move from my chair. I'd sit in my chair and I wouldn't move. There was no stretching. There was no nothing going on. That was just what I did. I'd sit there. I'd get the uh, the kilo like plyo ball, so the uh, thousand gram, which is the green one. I'd sit there and I'd just do like the figure figure eight symbol, just kind of loosening up my forearm, and that was that was about it. And that was that was my stretching before I got on the mound, and then wow. throw as hard as I can straight away, and then it seems to work. That's awesome. <laughs> one question I did have for you is kind of uh, one last question here before we get into some listener questions. Um, how does it feel being able to put on, in my opinion, the best uniform in baseball, those Kelly greens that you all wore in the wildcard game? Those are incredible. Are the best uniforms. That's my favorite uniform. No. <laughs> okay. Do you hear that in the background? Does she disagree? <laughs> she disagrees. No. She wants, she wants the lemons, the yellows. Ooh, those are, those are pretty sweet those too. Those bad. Yeah, so I'm I like the Kelly Green because it's different. Like I'm not a huge Forest Greens guy, especially because those jerseys shrink by the end of the year. So like you look at the green jerseys compared to my last outing, you can see a remarkable difference. It could just be that I got fat, but I'm assuming <laughs> that it's not. So it could be along those lines. But the Kelly Green one stayed pretty prim and proper, and I don't know if that's just the way to do it on the road, whether because the road ones tend to get a little shrinkier anyway. But yeah, I'm a big fan of the Kelly Greens. I love the Kelly Greens. I think. Um, I wish we had different pants for it. I wish we had like the uh, some piping on those pants or something like that, just to kind of make the entire thing kind of look that little bit of old school stuff. But yeah, it's uh, those things were definitely cool, just because it was a different view, especially for us. And we kept trying to take it on the road, but we they wouldn't let us. Yeah, that's those are clean. I like those. I like the uh, the elephant balancing on the ball too. I think that logo is just. Yeah, the elephant logo is cool. I love animals, yeah. so the elephant the elephant logo is pretty sick. But um, I don't like the yellow brimmed hats. I don't like our home hats. Oh, I always, love those hats. Ooh, it yeah. always looks because I go to my hat so much. I'm there and there and there, and there. so it always looks like I'm 
picking up dirt from like the ball and picking up dirt from the uh, the ground and stuff like that. And it always looks like I have these this fingerprint. I was like, I have a patch on my hat. Like I got a warning from Major League Baseball a couple of years ago for having pine tar on my hat. Well, I don't use pine tar at all. Like I don't use any of that stuff. So like they, they called me out on that. I'm like, I don't even use stuff. Make the balls <laughs> less dark. Like what's going on? <laughs> But like you look at all the guys, like the Rockies, they all, all they had to black. So you'd like yeah. even if they did do something, you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. Well, Liam, we got some uh, some questions from our listeners for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Talon asks, favorite part about big league life. Uh, favorite part about big league life. It's it's my favorite, but my least favorite at the same time. It's the travel. Like, I love going to different cities. I love being in different cities. I love being able to kind of, we go to New York, I can walk around downtown New York. We go to Boston, I can walk around downtown Boston. You can just walk around really, really cool places that I'd not normally go to. Like, I'm in in my life, I'm not going to choose to go to Houston and stay downtown. But if but because we play there so much, I get a chance to walk around downtown. So it's a cool city. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there that's just, it's, it's just fascinating just going around different cities. And I'm, I'm a big walking guy. Like, I'll throw on some headphones and I'll just walk around the city. So I love that. Like, I love being able to just go to cities and walk around, but then also flying, especially with Oakland, because everywhere is such a long flight. That's the bit that sucks is just the travel to get to places. I love being in the places. I just hate traveling to the places. Process versus actually being there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about Oakland, but Ryan wants to know what your favorite thing about Oakland is. All right, my favorite thing about Oakland, uh, I like the city. We live in Alameda when we're there. I love the little cities of Alameda. Um, I love. I, it's just a. It's. I've walked. I've done some stuff in downtown Oakland, which is really cool. It's just. It's such an underappreciated city. I think there's certain times where it gets a really bad rap just because of certain things. Like it's it's high in violence. It's high in homelessness. There's a lot of things that go on, but it's such a cool little vibrant city that you walk around certain areas and it's just it's full of life. There's a lot going on. It's just a really really cool city. And hopefully it can I can get a little bit more of this the shine, the spotlight than the rest of the city and it can kind of build from there because all it needs is just that little that little kick to get it kick started and uh and it'll be a great city to play in. Uh Alan asks, Are the hot dogs the same in Australia or are they better in Australia? Ooh, so the, this is a convoluted question because we have these things called sausage sizzles. And it's just like it's not an it's it's not a hot dog per se, but it's the same print. It's a sausage. So just imagine like the same thing as a hot dog, but it's a sausage, where it's a little bit. But you you get it like there's a local thing. It's a Saturdays at a Bunnings warehouse, which is like your Home Depot, or your Lowe's. But every Saturday they do a sausage sizzle raffle. Like it's just a gold coin donation, which is a dollar or two dollars. They give you a sausage. They put it in the they put it in the middle of a, just a random piece of white bread. And then they charge you 50 cents extra for onions and mushrooms. And then the it's the best sausage I've ever had in my life. It's the best. <laughs> like you go down to like even like local like um, your baseball teams and stuff like that. They always have like the sausage sizzle, which is like two bucks, and they throw it in a piece of bread. So I like Australian hot dogs or Australian sausage sizzles a lot better than I do the American ones. But let's be honest. I mean, you can you can make anything good with a with a ton of mustard. So. <laughs> Uh, this is our, this is one of our main guys. This he's, he's an OG. He's been around since we started doing episodes. He's yeah, always don't DM'd screw it up. Yeah. If you yeah. haven't, if you haven't followed him yet, I, I bet you he'd appreciate a follow on Instagram. This, this guy has been around <laughs> since day one. It. Big A's fan. Right. Oaktown fan 26 asks, 
how did it feel to strike out Judge in August last year after the 2018 wildcard game? Well, it felt a lot better than the wildcard game. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that was a game I came in the fifth, I came in the, sorry, the eighth inning. Uh, I was coming in for a five out save. There was two guys on with a two run lead and I had to face LeMahieu and Judge. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> luckily, I was able to get, get out of that inning and yeah, that, um, as if you've ever seen me pitch, I get a little emotional on the mound. I kind of scream a lot, which is uh, apparently just an Oakland Australian closer thing. Who knew? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I ended up striking out LeMahieu and then that was the first I ever saw. Actually, no, it was the second game I ever saw 100 on the board. It wasn't actually 100. He felt like he fouled it off, but it was like 99.7, but it said 100 on the TV. So we can somewhat try and claim it. <laughs> and then was able to kind of come back with a slider and get him out. But as you see, coming off that mound, it was I was pretty happy with myself. I yep, mean, it was I saw that. I got so ecstatic. It was like straight legged and screaming and red. And it took me the entire half inning when we were hitting just to kind of stop seeing stars because I yelled <laughs> too loud. So that was that. And then I came back out and was able to get, um, uh, oh, Jesus, the catcher. I can't remember the catcher's name. I'm blanking Sanchez. on names. Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez, and then uh, I just had his name, and now I forgot the other guy's name. But, yeah, either way, like, um, I was able to kind of have a clean ninth inning and get the, get the five outs. But that was a lot than giving up a two-run homer in Yankee Stadium for uh, in, in 2018, which was cool. So, I mean, I, I'm assuming he's a Chapman fan, which Oak fan 26, which is, yeah, yeah cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of that was cool. – Part of that was a jab at me. I, this guy's always bringing up <laughs> trash talk between the A's and the Yankees. So I I appreciate you answering it diligently. Yes. Um, I want to see us in a Yankees series. A's-Yankees playoff series. That's what I want to see because that would be trash talking at its highest because of the right field fans we have in Oakland compared to the entire stadium that is in New York. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be there, so I'm going to hit you up. Either way. Uh, Whichever post we're on, I'm going to hit you up. Uh, Rodolfo asks, favorite ballpark to pitch in and why? Well, I mean, I'm very, like, I love my home ballparks. So, obviously, I've played for four different teams. Yeah, four different teams. So, I've been with the Twins, and they're at Target Field, which is brand-new stadium, which is really cool. I was a starting pitcher then, so I didn't really appreciate the bullpens, which is the bullpens are a lot, like, they're, they're pretty far out. So, the guys who are able to run in that far over time is – Big props. And then from there, I went to the Blue Jays, and I love the Rogers Center. Like, I love the Rogers Center. It's not a pitcher's park by any means, but, I mean, I have to go to the Rogers Center because that's where I really had my kind of eye-opening career year in 2015 with uh, with the Jays, and that was kind of that one where I was able to go out there and kind of buck the trend of my career kind of – that could have been my last year. Who knows how everything would have gone from that point. But, yeah, the uh, – the Rogers Center has a special place in my heart for sure. Plus, it's in the Commonwealth. My wife's part Canadian, so there's that as well, which just adds into the whole kind of feeling of it. But the the cool thing about the Rogers Center is when you go from the dugout, when you go from the clubhouse to the bullpen, you go the back way, and you can there's a, like a little ramp that you can slide on with your cleats. That was always a lot of fun. You just go down there and just slide down this ramp, and it was <laughs> doing that. I mean, I think Aaron Loop has to have the best, the longest streak I've ever seen in my life. I think he went like it was. This thing's about 15 feet long, and I think he ended up going about 35 feet on this thing because he got a little bit of a running start and just kept going. <laughs> it's impressive. 
need new spikes after. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Brady asks, we've covered a lot of your foundations and some causes that you guys have been a part of. Um, I think it's amazing. But he wants to know when the next campaign that you're doing to help an awesome cause. Uh, yeah, so we're doing a pleasure campaign for strikeout bullying this year, whenever the season starts up. Um, whenever we kind of get that ball rolling, whenever we get a season, like a date to kind of get back into everything, we'll set that up and that'll be um, posted on my social media account and we'll kind of get a blasted out from the from the A's and everything like that as well, just trying to uh, gain as much awareness as we can because obviously everything, every little bit helps with uh with with these things so just uh, that'll be our next one we'll be doing that um i'm sure we'll be doing something like a psa with some of the animal rescues we deal with just to kind of especially this time trying to get fosters and stuff like that but our main our next main one will be with the uh the strikeout bullying campaign with the pleasure camp with the pleasure fund that'll uh that'll be coming out just before the season starts perfect that's it man those oh, are our dms yeah. i think we i mean you you're not talked out yet are you no, I mean this is uh, this is my, my wife's favorite thing right now because I don't have to talk to her, <laughs> so this is good. So I'm, I'm like I'm using my words, my word allowance for the day, so that, uh, awesome. we can sit back there and yeah, she. Um, we need a break. It's been a lot. It's been a long little time where we've been stuck together with, uh, with uh, just not having any outside help. Like I can't leave to go get a coffee, which I usually do whenever we things get a little thirsty. And yeah, this. Uh, there's a lot of things. It's just it's it's a lot right now. So I've been uh, she's been doing her old painting, and I've been doing my video gaming and reading and stuff like that. Which is, but no, they. I appreciate you guys having me on as well. Like this is a this is a cool to break up the monotony of every day and just kind of talk and and shoot the shoot this around all the time, which is nice. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked for lunch. What questions do you have, my love? Um. Who's your favorite player that's not on your team? Who's my favorite? <laughs> she goes, who's my favorite player that's not on our team? Um, I love this. We were like ready to wrap it up, but now we've got the question, oh, questions from the question. wife segment. I love I She's just skipping yeah. in the background too. So, I mean, <laughs> um, oh, who's my favorite player not on my team? I mean. Friend-wise and knowledge-wise. Friend-wise and knowledge-wise. So. Okay. Uh like the guy he's currently playing kind of, which would be Mark Zepchinski. He um he's got a minor league deal with the with the Jays, but we played together for half a season with the A's in sixteen, but we are very, very similar people. We're just always on, always talking, and we kind of we had to be separated by Ryan Madsen when we were there. Like so it was just the two brothers fighting and then dad in the middle. <laughs> so uh <laughs> he's my favorite he's my favorite player, like just from a person point of view and who do you get the best baseball knowledge and the baseball knowledge guy i, I love jose batista absolutely love that guy like he was there was a couple times where i just needed to be picked up like i wasn't in the best you headspace what <laughs> uh, she's reminding me of a, like the last start i had with the blue jays which is in 14 where i i where i pitched in cincinnati i didn't even get in that bat that's how bad it was <laughs> So and the the pitcher hit in the second inning. Oh, oh man. so no, sorry. The, the pitcher hit in the third inning. I didn't get through the second inning. I started drinking in the first inning. Oh Did you no! Hear that? Started... <laughs> that could be more on your drinking issues than it could be my pitching. No, it's your pitching that has caused my drinking uh-huh. issues. Winnie, 
is amazing. This is one of our cats. This is the best. <laughs> this is one of our cats. But yeah, no, I love Jose Batista. He's uh, he had the, the pick-me-ups where sometimes you needed him. He said, I remember it specifically. He said... We're yeah, he came in. So I, get, I gave up eight runs. I got taken out in the second inning, and I'm inside. And he comes up to chase, and he's like, don't worry. We'll win this game. They ended up walking off. Oh, not walking off. We ended up coming back and scoring the ninth run in like the ninth <laughs> inning off Chapman. It was Eric Kratz hit a double off Chapman to kind of lose the game. Wow. So like it was it was insane. Like just um, yeah, he's just but he's he's very intelligent in what he did. Like he you see the stretching, you see the obviously you remember the bat flip and the fight with Odor and all that sort of stuff. But he was extremely intelligent about what he did in the game. And especially he was extremely, he was an extremely intelligent businessman. Like there was a lot of stuff he did off the field that was incredible in the way that he was able to kind of divert funds and everything like that. Is there a team you'd want to play for that you haven't played for yet? If say the A's are eliminated from contention, as far as re-signing after this year, where would you want to go that you haven't been? Uh, the team that I want to play for that I haven't been. I'm a big fan of DC. Like, I love D.C. Like, I like the area. My wife has a forensic psychology background, so she could fit into, if she wanted to get a job out there, she could work in one of the agencies. I want to play for the Mets. Christy wants to play for the Mets. <laughs> so she's, uh, I, I, I love New York City. I love the city. I don't want to shave. So that's a, like, ah, it, I mean, obviously. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> obviously, I mean, if that was the only team offering, I'm not going to not shave. But, and, like, I, blue and orange is kind of, like my favorite Australian football team's blue, like they're blue and white, but it's the same premise. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> but we would be happy if the A's offered something. There we go. There it is. That's the <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, we don't really have anything that we like a specific team we've that we haven't played for before that we really want to. I think there's certain teams that I can identify that could have a possible need, but it all depends on how I do this year. There's no point in saying, oh, I'd love to go there because they don't have a closer or anything like that because who knows how it's going to be. You always pick where you could play. I always pick the cities. Yeah. She I, she goes, I always pick where I could play in the team, dynamic and everyone on the team. She always picks what's cool the city, which is, it, which is really important because at the yeah, end of the day, she's going to be absolutely. there a lot more than me. So she's going to be there a lot more than me. So she needs to have that feeling of safety, that feeling of having something to do around there. And also the wives group is a big thing for us because it's a wives group can completely change the fact if you love a city or hate a city. And I love the A's wives group. And she loves the A's wives. So that's a big thing for her. I just hate the taxes. I'd like to, how did your slider become your go-to pitch? How did my slider become my go-to pitch? Because it wasn't when we started dating. Yeah, definitely. Like, how has my slider become my go-to pitch? Because it wasn't when we first started dating. So that was 2010 when we started dating. Mm-hmm. And I was your know, prototypical generic twins right-hander. Through 91 with a little bit of movement and a good changeup. That was just, that was my thing. Uh, so my changeup was my go-to pitch then. Didn't really, I had a curveball, I had a slider, but my changeup was my, my changeup was my best pitch. Uh, and then, yeah, I just uh, when I moved to the pen, my slider started playing up because I started throwing it harder. And as I started throwing it harder, I realized the break on it was a lot sharper. And I just had a lot of good swings and misses. And since then, I've kind of that's been the the fail safe pitch where I've always kind of had that in the back pocket. And I've always just had like if I ever need to have a pitch, that's just been the one I've gone to. But I throw it a little differently than I than most. I've put like um, Kirsten, mm-hmm. you grab the ball for me on the table. Oh, I love it. Here we oh, go. I'm getting a little demonstration. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, God. 
<laughs> that was coming in hot. So, yeah, what was it? It had to at least be 92 coming from the old wife. She, she's yelling at me saying she has a natural cutter. So she's like the female version of Mariana. <laughs> so like I have like I have a four scene like four scenes like that, and then my slide is a little different than the average one. Like a lot of people have either hooked around all the way there, or they go the other way with there so their things run it. I am just the knuckle on it there, and so it's very like for me I find that that's a little tighter, it's a little harder, and it's just a, it's sharper for me. So it's a little bit more of a late breaking late breaking slider. If I ever throw like a first pitch slider, I can kind of. Tilt a little bit, gets a little bit more movement. Not a, not quite a sharp, but still is. It's a little bit easier to locate. Curveball is the spike curveball, so I spike along the uh, the horseshoe and try and throw that as hard as I possibly can. Same with the slider, just throw it as hard as I possibly can. And then the grip I've been fig- like working with so far this spring training has been the split finger, which is just it's a little different than most because I get every time I try to throw it, I get blisters on the inside of my fingers, so I stop doing that. Like everyone else is just like. Uh, it's like that around the horseshoe. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that way. So I started just curling it around there and having that one finger there and curling it around the seam and then just, just trying to throw that as hard as I can. And that's that's pretty much my pitch repertoire of just throwing it literally as hard as I can at every time. I love it. I'm a fly on a wall right now. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, you can tell we've been quarantined for a little bit. <laughs> as my wife sitting over there taking photos of our cat. <laughs> on a stool <laughs> so we have two dogs and two cats in this household so there's uh, Stella the Chihuahua Jack the Terry Chihuahua mix and then Temperance Brennan and Winnie Cooper the two cats and <laughs> Tempe is that kind of regal princess she's very Kate Middleton-y just like does everything <laughs> the right way and very poised and Winnie is like the ugly stepsister who's adorable but is clumsy as shit <laughs> like falling over things just randomly meowing all the time like just, <laughs> just yeah i mean we've that's pretty much it that's pretty much what we do we we run around we play with the cats we play with the dogs and that's our entire day right now <laughs> <laughs> that's good man that sounds like a not a bad life for quarantine life no, we we got lucky in the fact that it's it's a lot nicer out here with the pets, and we're we're lucky, and we're in we're in a house that has a little bit of extra room. We're in a place where we've got groceries, and we can get food to eat and stuff like that. So we have the house in two days, so that's uh, been weird for us. Three. three days, sorry, three days. We haven't left the house in three days at all. Like not even the only time we've done is we've walked we've walked the dogs around our street, and that's it. And then. These are the first three days of this decade that I haven't gone to Starbucks for a coffee. Wow. That's I that's wild. drink a lot of coffee. So I drink <laughs> it like, uh, as soon as I go off the phone, as soon as I get off this thing with you guys, I'm going to make another coffee. <laughs> it's and nine she's o'clock. What are we doing? <laughs> I'll have a coffee before. I'll have a coffee and then brush my teeth and get into bed and be asleep in 20 minutes. Like I just, just wild. it's just, I, my dad's the same way. It's just, we that's it's a calming mechanism. It helps me like after every single game, I'll make a coffee, and I'll drink like a. In Oakland, especially, we have this um, we have a coffee machine that you can make it extra strong. So I just get a regular regular cup of coffee, extra strong, a little bit of milk on top, and then I will. Uh, that's what I make every night before I go home, and it's a fifteen minute drive for me to get back to the get back to our house, drink it on the way, and then get into bed, and I'm good to go the next day. Don't give it. him. Don't give her the plan. <laughs> 
Jesus. I, yeah. Have you ever seen Cats Eat Grass? No. It's... Okay. <laughs> but we have fake fake plants in this. And then there's Christian, I'm bringing, the, bringing this over. <laughs> I love it. So let me see if you can see this. Oh, that's wow. Right. Oh, my gosh. So that's that's Winnie Cooper. <laughs> and that's the tr the tree that she put in front of her, and she's just munching away on this damn branch. <laughs> it can't be good. Well, yeah, like, so we give them, like, the cat grass, which is pretty much just, like, catnip grass. So we give them that, and they love it. And But we haven't got a new one since we moved into this new place. So they've been chewing just the random plants in the house. We have the other cat sitting on the ground, like not right now because it's dark outside right now, but then she just sits there and like watches the birds. We put some bird seed at the front or at the back, and so they just watch the birds. We had two birds run into the windows today of our doors. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is what we do. <laughs> Perfect form of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta, you got to find ways to keep yourself entertained, and for me, it's coffee and a book. And for my wife, it's making TikTok videos with the cat. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, Nate, you, well, got, you got anything else, man? That's it for me, Liam. That is, uh, yeah. I don't know. I appreciate you coming on, man. This a lot of awesome. fun. Yeah. Well, anytime. If you need anything else, let me know. And I mean, I've got nothing but time to do. And <laughs> if uh, if you ever get online and play MLB the show, let me know. And we can see if we can get, get, get against each other. And I can use myself. <laughs> I would, I would love that. That would be yeah, awesome. Hundred yeah. percent. I am so totally bad down. at this game, but it's it's fun <laughs> because I'm actually good in the game this year, which is way way much cooler. <laughs> well, that uh, that should do it, man. Like you said, certainly appreciate you hopping on. This was a blast, uh, and I think I speak for Nate and myself when we say uh, we are going to be huge Liam Hendricks fans moving forward, and we are going to be I we're going to be watching it. we're going to be watching those in between. Yeah, I'm gonna pitches. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, let, let me let me give you a like let's give me a couple games before you really start paying attention to the actual game cuz I just don't know how it's going to come back after this break. But the in between is going to stay the same no matter what. So <laughs> I love it, man. Well, like I said, appreciate you hopping on and uh looking forward to chatting with you soon, man. All right, thanks guys. You have a good day, all right? All right. So, that was the Liam Hendricks episode. Nate, give me some of your favorite parts. <sighs> I mean, I have a little recency bias because it was towards the end of the episode, but showing us his actual grip of pitches, I was like, I was a kid in a candy store. That was awesome. Like, it was, that was cool. Just talking about how, you know, he can't throw a splitter the same way most guys throw splitters. So he had to change his grip a little bit to try to find it. That's something he's trying to develop as a pitcher in general. I mean, the fact that his velo has climbed so much from when he first got in the league, it's just cool things that you just, you question as a as a fan you never really get an answer and he gave us the answers it's just stuff that, that it's not just ingrained it's not just here it is it's natural he had to work for it and he's trying new stuff and he's he pays attention to a lot of different things i think that's that was a lot of it was a lot of fun to hear which is unfortunate that this is a podcast the listeners won't be able to see it, but I might, I, I might chop up the video a little bit, maybe add it as a little bonus piece of content. We have yet to decide that, but <laughs> that was awesome. Getting a little, uh, getting a little lesson from old Liam. I would say probably my favorite thing. It's more of a general note about the whole conversation. 
is I'd actually had uh, a person or two hit me up beforehand once they found out we were going to be chatting with him and basically just told me, like, this guy's a real deal, super down to earth, super chill. Yeah. You hear about people that are are characterized as that, but you never really know until you get to talk with them. But this guy was, in fact, the real deal. Just an awesome, awesome guy, awesome baseball mind. Um, sounds like his family, him and his wife, his cats, they're all awesome. I mean, <laughs> there's really no no lack of awesome with the with the Hendricks family. So uh, definitely enjoyed getting to take a look inside his mind as well as inside his wife's mind, as we said towards the end. That was that was awesome. Um, like I said, just everything was awesome. It's cool hearing the way the guys tick. I think, he, like I said, solidified that just pitchers are just strange. <laughs> Very strange. Pitchers, pitchers out there are just weird, but they got to be because it's just a different part of the game. It's a, your brain is used in a different way. The fact that you know he sits in the bullpen and he doesn't really warm up, just kind of does his own thing and does like some weighted ball warm up the forearm kind of stuff, and then just goes out and chucks. Like that's cool. That's a lot of different different guys have different methods, and it's cool just getting a little peek under the hood. Yep. That was uh, awesome in the fact that we were able to snag him, obviously, with all this this stuff going on. I'm really looking forward to see who else we can snag during this whole situation. I mean, as as he indicated, these guys are not doing anything. No, nah, they're chilling. They are straight <laughs> chilling. They can't even go to facilities. They watching can't be Tiger going King to gyms. Like watching, I mean, Liam's watching Tiger King, like pretty much the rest of America is. So, I mean... This is just a it's a, it's obviously an unfortunate situation with no baseball, but it's a very unique situation in that, like we've said before, we can really uh, we can latch on to these guys and, and bring you a different perspective of the game and kind of how how they're dealing with things right now. And uh, that's just been one of the coolest parts about these interviews we've done recently that I've really enjoyed. So, yeah, 100 percent. I hope uh, we can keep this thing going for you guys. For sure. Well, that's all I got. You got anything else? Don't go chasing curveballs, sliders, splitters, whatever Liam Hendricks is throwing at you. Don't chase it unless you're a fan of his and maybe you want guys to chase it. I don't know. We love y'all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy. What the f- are you trying to take? You take! Don't tell me you don't see it! You-